I am Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. You know, I want to talk about gun registration today, and I want to tell you about actual case that I had, and just to show you how outrageously insane it can get when we're talking about registered guns. And this case uh, was a case that actually was NRA funded, the NRA Civil Rights Firearms Defense Foundation. They uh, they uh, funded this case so that I could represent this individual. And in so doing, he gave permission to use his name. His name was uh, Ananio. That was his name. And his case is just fascinating because it really hits home on the problems of registration. See, New Jersey has gun registration. I know none of you are shocked to hear that. But New Jersey uh, has gun registration, and it is incredibly half-assed. I mean, it is just idiotic, whoever designed New Jersey's registration system. Now, I'm not in, uh, in favor of any gun registration. I completely oppose gun registration, and I oppose it because of four words that are very important. Anytime you hear about gun registration, you need to think of these four words, and that is legislation, then registration, then comes confiscation, and after that, extermination. And those are the four words that all go together when dealing with gun registration. And those four words you can see repeated throughout history. Okay, this is history. And that's how the process goes. Now, luckily, New Jersey hasn't gotten to the extermination phase yet. But I have no doubt that at some point, New Jersey will want to have capital punishment for gun owners. As much as they would oppose capital punishment for just about any other crime, when it comes to gun ownership, well, heck, we get that, right? They can, gun owners can be, you know given capital punishment for not obeying the gun laws. But regardless of what happens in the future with extermination, New Jersey's still got the first three. And let me tell you how this case went down, specifically with these first three words coming into full force and effect. You see, in New Jersey, registration of guns, handguns, occurs on your acquisition of the handgun. So when you buy a handgun in New Jersey, you have to get a pistol purchase permit, right? A handgun purchase permit, they call it. And you're given one permit only per handgun. It's four pages, right, that get sent all around. One goes to the state police, one goes to the local police that issue the permit, another is kept by the seller, another goes to you. And on it, right on it, it says form of register. So your gun, is registered automatically on purchase in New Jersey. But here's where it gets really weird, and most folks don't understand this. Registration is only required in New Jersey on purchase of a handgun in New Jersey. You are allowed to possess unregistered handguns in New Jersey. People are often shocked to hear that, and that's because New Jersey doesn't mandate that all handguns be registered. They just mandate that on acquisition of a handgun in New Jersey, it gets registered. And the only thing that's getting registered is your acquisition. 
Registration is not a prerequisite for possession. You, it is legal to possess an unregistered handgun, completely legal to do so. A matter of fact, there is not even a criminal charge in New Jersey of possession of an unregistered handgun because your possession is not based on whether your gun is registered or not. It's based on whether you possess it under the exemptions, such as possession in your home or possession at the range, or whether you have a license to possess, which for handguns is a New Jersey carry permit, which basically nobody can get. In the whole state of New Jersey, there's less than 600 issued to civilians. So all civilians are left with to possess handguns is exemptions. Their purchase of handguns is done by a pistol purchase permit, and that simply registers the acquisition. And yet that acquisition registration database is maintained by the state police. So the state police have a computerized list of every handgun purchase that created a registration. They also have copies of your that you were applied to get licenses and if you were issued a firearms ID card, which is used for long arms. And when your handgun gets purchased, the make, the model, the serial number, everything about that handgun that's on the pistol purchase permit is put into the database of registration and you have your form of registration. But here's the kicker. Not only is registration not required to possess a handgun, there is no unregistration in New Jersey. So when a dealer buys a handgun from you, let's say you trade in your old handgun to get a new handgun, which people do all the time, that just goes in the dealer's books and a new sale at some point will be made. And there's no, it's not unregistered. The dealer doesn't report it in to the state police, say, hey, take it off the list. Nothing. It, because the registration was only for acquisition. It's not for possession. So why would you unregister? Because you the acquisition already took place. It's history. You acquired it. It's a known deal. After that point, Registration means nothing. A matter of fact, in New Jersey, if you have a registered handgun that you just bought from a dealer and it's got the form of register and you just did all the paperwork and you go right across the street to another gun dealer, you know, five minutes later, change your mind and sell that gun to the dealer across the street to get some other gun or maybe just cash. There's no unregistration of it. And this is what folks, even in law enforcement, in prosecutors' offices, judges, they don't understand how New Jersey's registration system works, and they assume that it's a full, constant, possessory registration. And this is what ended up causing a problem, a serious, incredible problem, for Mr. Nanio. You see, Mr. Nanio was having some issues at home and things were a little tumultuous. And he felt that he wasn't sure whether he was going to stay together with his spouse and things weren't going real well there. So he 
preemptively did not want to have firearms in his home. So he went and actually surrendered his firearms to the police for them to hold. Now, listen, there was no charges against him. There was no restraining order, nothing. He just didn't want him in the house. He went to the police. Now, if he had talked to me prior, I would have said, look, store them at a proper storage facility where they store firearms and those exist or bring them to a dealer. Just don't turn them to the police. Once you turn them to the police, good luck trying to ever get them back, right? But that's what he did. But you know what? Even though he took that extraordinary step, it didn't matter because things went south and they ended up with a temporary restraining order placed against him. And the temporary restraining order ends up ordering in New Jersey seizure of all firearms. And this is pretty standard. Uh, built into every form for a for a temporary restraining order is a is a block that's simply checked so guns are seized. Well, guess what? In his case, there were no guns to seize because he already turned them into the police. Okay, so, all right. So there's no guns. He's got the restraining order. Now he'll deal with it. And the police ended up, even though he did this, searching his residence three separate times. Okay? Three separate times. And every time they came, based on this restraining order, three times, no firearms were found. Now, why were no firearms found? Because he had already surrendered them to the police in, in advance. So here you have this situation where the police keep coming, and he's already surrendered them. And they're like, hey, look, we have this list from the state police that lists firearms on it that are registered to you and it listed 15 firearms 15 handguns that aren't accounted for 15 well of course they're not accounted for because as i explained they're acquisition permits right and he had gotten rid of these over the years this is over all his years of enjoying firearms and traded them into dealers and such so, of course, he doesn't have them in there on account because registration is not for possession. Well, guess what happened? Oh, no, no, no. We have this list. He got arrested and charged with contempt of the order for failure to surrender firearms that he no longer had. And they put him in jail. And he's held in jail. And he's held in contempt. And they said, if you want to get out, tell us where the guns are. I don't have them. They're gone. Well, then you're going to sit in jail till you tell us where they are. This is outrageous. Outrageous. They're arresting him and jailing him and charging him for contempt for guns that he no longer possessed. He sat in jail for 90 days before he got a hold of me, all right, on this ridiculous charge. And apparently no attorney or whoever was involved, they couldn't understand how this works. And I'm like, this is insanity based on registration. And I said, 
well, I'll bring a motion right away to get you out because they're relying on a list that's not only invalid to be relied upon, but it's also hearsay on top of that, and they're arresting you, and they don't have this, this contempt is outrageous. You turned in your guns already. But I said, you know what? Knowing how the system is, and I want to get you out, do you remember, do your best, where do you think these guns went? Which dealers do you think got them? And he mentioned dealers and certain ones and all. And the dealers, knowing me, knowing I'm a pro-gun attorney, knowing that I'm trying to help a good guy, they were very helpful. And they scrounged up records as fast as they could to show that his guns had been turned into him. And here's the deal, folks. I was able to very quickly, thanks to great dealers being very helpful, I was able to account for 14 of the 15 guns, 14 of the 15, even though I shouldn't have to account for any of them because he shouldn't even be in jail, doesn't matter. But I accounted for, did an amazing deal to find 14 of them. And so I brought a motion quickly to the court for him to be let out of jail, for these charges to be dismissed, explaining how outrageous it is that he'd be arrested for this, held in jail for this based on a, a flawed system of no possessory registration. And I said, Judge, but even with that, I've got 14 of the 15 accounted for to show you just how absurd this list is and how unreliable and outrageous it is. And you know the prosecutor said, well, what about the 15th gun? At which time I said to the prosecutor, we know what happened to the 15th gun. Oh, really? What? What happened was he turned the gun in to your county buyback where you have, quote, no questions asked, you give no receipts, no records, and have no ability to document a damn thing. But that's who has it. You, prosecutor's office, you have his 15th gun. So that shows you the value of registration. And I was able to get him out after 90 days in jail on absolute garbage of charges based on the flaws of registration. So when I join you in a little bit back, we're going to talk more about registration and some more fascinating things that you need to know to help protect yourself. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law. A bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. 
You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Hey, we're back. And you know what? Uh, I want to just mention that you know how many folks out there in New Jersey have bought handguns and turn them into dealers later or wherever, and they have no record of this. And yet, in the state police database, it looks like you own all kinds of guns that you no longer have. And this same lousy problem that Mr. Nanio experienced uh, could happen to you. So beware of that. And if you can think of places where you may have sold them and what have you, Try to keep your records together on that because even though it's ridiculous that you would have to show it, it demonstrates what can happen. So if you're in a system where there is registration, try to keep track of the disposition of guns that are registered to you. Hey, we received some great mail from listeners, and I have one here from Steve. Um, Steve says, Hi, Evan. I absolutely love the podcast. I've been shooting for a little over 20 years, and I learn so much from your show every week. I also constantly reference your New Jersey gun law book. Thank you very much, and keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Steve, and I love doing this, and I love helping fellow gun owners to protect themselves. I appreciate that you have the New Jersey gun law book, uh, which you can, I'll shamelessly plug it. You can buy it on my website at evannappin.com, but uh it is really the Bible, the guidebook for New Jerseyans, particularly to stay on the good side of the insane matrix of anti-gun laws that New Jersey has created. I also have a book on New Hampshire gun law, and the New Hampshire gun law book is completely the opposite of New Jersey. As a matter of fact, New Jersey is well over 500 pages to explain it, and New Hampshire is um, only about maybe, you know, a, a 25% the size, about a quarter. And that's more talking about great pro-gun things and explaining the federal law, which I do in that book, as well as in New Jersey's book. Yeah, it is definitely night and day between the two states. It is amazing. So uh, if you're interested, check out the gun law books on my website. But... Uh, I want to mention as well um, the letters that I get, the emails here, very important. And I want to ask you folks there, uh, uh, you know, to think about joining for free uh, Gun Lawyer Radio's inner circle. It's my inner circle that you can join. You can keep a fellow gun owner from becoming a law-abiding criminal. That's what I call them. Folks like Nanio, Mr. Nanio, he was a law-abiding guy, and the laws turn him into a criminal. Tell your friends and such, listen to Gun Lawyer Radio, visit our website at gun.lawyer. Instead of .com, it's .lawyer, so it's gun.lawyer. What I'd really love for you to do is join the inner circle, and it's right on our website at gun.lawyer. Sign up for it, and you're going to get the inside from me. I'll be giving you trips, tricks and tips and insights, and we'll have some fun doing it, and it's free. 
sign up and stay ahead of the game here. Remember, this helps me communicate with you to touch base to let you know what's going on because big tech doesn't care about our gun rights. Actually, they hate us. They've been shutting us down all different places. That's why to have a voice like this and our ability to reach out and contact you is so important. They don't like us, and they just want us gone. So we're going to have to fight that. And the inner circle is a way that we can stay in contact despite their efforts. We're going to have big issues coming up with executive orders, all kinds of nasty things, gun laws proposed, things we've talked about. The onslaught is heading our way. You're going to need to know what to do to protect yourself, what the loopholes are. And I love loopholes. I'm going to let you know the loopholes. And I'm going to fill you in with all that. You're going to want to know. So subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Join my inner circle. Help me get the word out. I'm depending on you. And registration is a threat that we're facing. We're facing it because of legislation that wants to place every, basically every semi-automatic rifle and every magazine into the National Firearms Act, which is national gun registration, because the National Firearms Act is a registration database currently of machine guns and SBRs and destructive devices and suppressors, but they want to expand it now to basically every semi-auto and every magazine. And the idea, folks, is to get this as a registration, to make it harder to get guns, to make it more expensive, because, of course, there's a $200 tax for the privilege of registering your guns and magazines. And as they tax us into this uh, position of registration, then we're vulnerable to not only confiscation, but also misapplication, misuse of the registration databases. And this is all requiring us to fight very, very hard. Because you'll hear folks say at times, uh, oh, well, you register your car. Why don't you register, you know, you register to get married, you know. Well, the fact is, you know, at least nobody rationally is speaking about uh, confiscating your wife and uh, banning them and, and all that, or even confiscating your car. Although we may see that with the uh, green agenda, you know, not allowed to have uh, cars, and all cars are registered, so it'll be easy for them if they do embark on car confiscation, which I guess is not that far-fetched in a modern day. But you see, gun registration is just that problem. If If the guns aren't registered, if they're kept off databases, then they don't know where they are, And that helps keep us free. It's part of freedom. Privacy and the ability to own firearms that are not registered is freedom. And our freedom is dependent upon this. There's a reason we have the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is not about duck hunting. A Second Amendment is about self-defense. It's about defending ourselves and as a check on tyranny. It absolutely was put forward by the founders as a check on tyranny of enemies foreign and domestic. It's a last resort. But you know, that's how a revolution was fought. It was armed citizens joining in the militia, coming to the calls on the green 
and they fought with our continental soldiers together, and that's how we fought and won our revolution. People, oh, that's outdated, that's old. Really, is it? You look at modern day where there have been confiscations based on registration. I mean, this is what Hitler did. You know, this is it. They read, he first imposed registration and then went after the Jews' guns. Kristallnacht was based on taking guns from Jews. You don't hear that emphasized, but that was their excuse. That was what they were doing, taking guns from Jews. Okay. You see great genocides, not just of the Jews. And what preceded it? Confiscation of arms. And how were the arms confiscated? Because they knew where they were and they first imposed registration and put it forward as some benign thing based on some so-called crime, anti-crime measures. Look, registered guns and stopping crime, good grief. Uh, Canada tried to have a huge boondoggle of a registration system. Billions spent to register. Amount of crime solved from their registration? None. It was a complete waste. But it sure does make a list for confiscation, doesn't it? And it sure does make your life harder when trying to buy and exercise your Second Amendment rights, right? Bad news. So remember that registration is not reasonable. Registration is unreasonable because it creates a danger to our liberty, and we have to fight it at every turn. This current administration is proposing different registration schemes, not only the idea behind NFA, but there's also talk about trying to implement micro-stamping. Micro-stamping is a technology in which when the firing pin hits the primer, it actually imprints identifying numbers onto the primer at a micro level so that in theory, any shell casing fired from a gun can be matched to that gun based on the micro stamping. And they want to impose that every gun have the micro-stamping feature. And what does that mean? Well, that means every gun then has to get registered so they know who that micro-stamp belongs to. But of course, criminals, uh, boy, they don't have to think real hard here now, do they? Uh, they'll just carry a revolver. Wow, that's pretty cool. You mean the one that doesn't eject brass? Yeah, a revolver, right. Or pick up brass. There's another. Brass isn't found. Or file the micro-stamping down on the mechanism. I mean, there's so many ways to thwart this stupid system. And then to impose it, and it'll raise roughly the price of every gun by $200. That's the estimate. But what is micro-stamping really? It's really a scam and a false sell of gun registration. And... It's not about stopping crime. It doesn't stop crime. It's about knowing who's got the guns and you know why. So beware. Now, the interesting, funny thing about gun registration is a case called the Haynes decision. And I don't know if you're familiar, but I want to just mention the Haynes decision, Haynes versus U.S. 
Because, you know, in 1968, the United States Supreme Court invalidated the National Firearms Act in 1934 because Mr. Haynes was a convicted felon who was charged with failing to register his firearm under the act. And the U.S. Supreme Court found that to require Mr. Haynes to register his firearm under the act because he's a convicted felon violated his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. So that registration could not be forced on felons. Only law-abiding citizens can be forced to register their guns. That shows you just how brilliant the registration scheme is. And not only does it violate our Second Amendment rights, but it also violates our Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. So what happened from that? You may say, well, how come the NFA is still out there? Because what happened was in 68, when they passed the 68 Gun Control Act, they quickly scrambled to modify and amend the National Firearms Act to make it that your registration under the National Firearms Act is confidential and cannot, and you're given immunity for when you register. And you can't be prosecuted for this. They give you that immunity on so that you can still try to force felons to register their guns under the NFA. Yeah, right. Tell me about it. So this is uh, how they arguably set out to save the National Firearms Act after the Haynes decision invalidated it for felons, finding that registration cannot be forced on felons. Now, that's just what happened on the NFA, but think about any of these schemes that will mandate registration. Because if they're going to mandate registration, even mandate any of it, the argument of self-incrimination may still come into effect unless they put immunity in. And if they put immunity in, then that may in fact stop some of the egregious enforcement aspects of it. So when it comes to defending our Second Amendment rights, just don't only think about the Second Amendment, but think about the Fifth Amendment as well and our protection against self-incrimination. And many times with registration, we see that stolen firearms uh, come up with false reads, problems, the registration is messed up and wrong people get charged. I've seen that. I tell you, I've had cases I'd, cases where one of my clients was arrested and he was being held on possession of a stolen firearm. And when we went in and I saw the discovery, the serial number they ran was that came up stolen was 1911A1. Oh, my God, 1911A1. Guess what? It was a model gun that had no serial number. It was just a toy, a fake. He did nothing wrong with it, and they get, had arrested him for stolen firearm possession because in the NCIC there were three other dummies that threw in 1911A1 into the registration system just there. I mean, you see these mistakes all the time. You see the problems. It causes law-abiding citizens grief, getting arrested, held in jail. 
It happens over and over again, and yet the crime-fighting aspect of it is virtually non-existent, and yet the end game is what you always have to keep in mind. They want to take our guns, and this is the step toward achieving it. Okay, folks, hey, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.